This is Your Edmonton, a bi-weekly look into the people, places, and things that make up our city. I'm your host, Braden Brazda. This is episode 12. Today is going to be the first part of a series of podcasts we're going to call Amalgamation and Annexation in Edmonton. So I'm sure lots of people know that Edmonton has grown and kind of absorbed, amalgamated, and annexed a bunch of other towns and cities. And so we're just going to have a series throughout the year that kind of goes over what these cities and towns were before they came part of Edmonton. And so I think the most well-known one is Strathcona, so that's what we're going to start off with. So today's episode is going to be about Strathcona, the city. Again, it's just me for today's episode because our resident young person, Taylor, is busy doing young person things like studying for her midterm exams at school. So again, for the second episode in a row, you'll just have to listen to me. So to start off this show, we'll go through an Edmonton Easter egg. Today's Easter egg is about Edmonton symbols. So everyone should be familiar with the City of Edmonton logo with just word Edmonton, sometimes they put the city in front. But there's actually quite a few other official Edmonton symbols that people might not know about. So the first one I have for us is the City Crest. And so Edmonton does have our own City Crest, which was granted by the government of Alberta in October 28th, 1994. It reflects the history, geography, and aspirations of Edmonton. So there's many aspects to this crest. So the first one we're going to go through is the mace. The mace actually signifies the status of Edmonton as Alberta's capital city. And there's a sun on the shield, which kind of represents the above-average amount of sun that Edmonton gets. And actually, that's kind of an interesting fact, because Alberta is actually a very sunny place in general. And I know Medicine Hat is the sunniest city in Canada. And so being on the prairies, we get a lot of sun, which people may not think about as a thing, but we do get a lot of sun here. Then there's a winged wheel, and that signifies the importance of aviation and the industrial center that is Edmonton. There's also a wavy ribbon, which signifies the North Saskatchewan River, and also a sheaf, which shows our agricultural heritage. On the left of the crest, there's an explorer, which kind of signifies our fur trading heritage and exploration. As well as on the right, there's Athena, the goddess of wisdom, which kind of shows our commitment to education and also gives a nod to the University of Alberta, which is in Edmonton. At the bottom of the crest, there's a motto, industry, integrity, progress. So, of course, you can look up the motto, but it's also down at City Hall, so you can go see it. Edmonton also has our own flag. So the flag has the crest, which is surrounded by a white space signifying peace. And then on the outside, just like on lots of flags, there's two blue stripes. And that signifies the North Saskatchewan River and the strength of our city. And actually in 2016, Don Iverson proposed changing the flag to something a little bit simpler that would have more meaning for Edmontonians, but it didn't go really that far in council. The other symbol that we have is the mayor's chain of office. So this is something that the mayor will wear at ceremonial functions, and I think also when they get sworn in. I think Linda Hutt talked about that in her episode. 
So each link of this chain represents a community element and symbolizes people joined in a common cause. The chain rests on a prime beaver pelt, which represents Edmonton's origins as a Hudson's Bay Trading Company post. And the gold and silver badges represent the military and police units that have served in Edmonton. We also have an official flower in Edmonton, and that's the marigold. So it symbolizes the sunny days in Alberta and Edmonton, and also Edmonton's role in the Klondike Gold Rush of the 1890s. And the flower's many varieties celebrate Edmonton's diversity, and the fact that Edmonton is made up of more than 50 ethnic groups. And the last one I'm going to get into here is that Edmonton also has a tartan. So, like, tartans are these um, Scottish plaid patterns, but they're very particular, and so Edmonton's tartan... The predominant color is light blue, which symbolizes the clear blue of the prairie sky. The green in it represents our agriculture. Yellow represents the sun of the long summer days and the prairie wheat. And the white represents peace, as we learned from the city flag. And also for the long months of snow, which of course we get. And the city's official colors of purple and gold are also included on the tartan with the gold representing the marigold, which is, of course, we just learned is Edmonton's official flower. So that wraps up our Edmonton Easter egg segment, which we went over a bunch of official Edmonton symbols. So now we're going to get into our main topic for today, which is Strathcona. So Strathcona, the city, now is kind of represented in the area of old Strathcona, and that's kind of the preserved area, if you can call it that, of the old Strathcona city. So, of course, it's on the south side of the river, and the town's original boundaries included river lots 9 through 17 south of the river, which kind of goes from 109th Street to 107th Street north of University Avenue. So the first mention of Strathcona as a place began in 1870s. It was incorporated as a town in 1899 on May 29th. It was made into a city on March 15, 1907. And then it was amalgamated into Edmonton on February 1st, 1912. So as an official place, kind of 1899 to 1912, but as a recognized place from kind of 1870s to 1912. So the first people that resided in Strathcona were kind of hangers-on from the fur trade days and also self-employed contractors from the nearby Fort Edmonton, which at that point was the last Fort Edmonton on the top of the hill, which now is where the legislature is. The first people of Strathcona were a mixed population of British, Quebecois, Cree, and Métis people. And one of the most interesting things about this is that most of the British people, there was a very high percentage of Orkney people, which is, if you look on a map, like basically the very northern tip of Scotland. And so to have such a concentration of these people here in Strathcona was an interesting thing. And these people were quickly kind of replaced by Eastern Canadian farmers in the 1880s, just about the same time that Fort Edmonton really kind of became phased out. There was a rush of farmers and businessmen that came over. As for the population, in 1901, the census revealed that there was 1,550 official residents. In 1906, there was 2,921. And in 1911, just before it was amalgamated, there was 5,579 people. One of the big parts of Strathcona was the train. So in 1891, the Calgary and Edmonton Railway, or CNE, arrived, and it connected Calgary all the way to Strathcona, and it was operated by Canadian Pacific Rail. The stop was kind of around White Avenue, and that's why the um, hamlet formed there, is because of the easy access to the rail station. So things kind of just expanded from the rail station out. 
And with this access to train, that's what led to the flood of immigrants from Eastern Canada, Britain, Europe, and also the United States. And that actually led to why all the buildings were there, because businesses boomed as people came. And so the businesses near the railway prospered and were built up as wood and even brick buildings. And some still stand today, and we'll get into that in the second half of our show. So now we're going to get into why it was called Strathcona. And if you travel across Canada, you might actually find quite a few buildings, towns, parks called Strathcona. And they're all named after the same man, Donald A. Smith, who is also known as Lord Strathcona. So he was a huge businessman, politician for Canada, and also like he spent a lot of time in England still, so that's kind of interesting of the time where he was huge in Canada, but he was born in Scotland, he died in England, he considered his residence London, but he was a politician in Canada, a businessman in Canada, I just find that kind of interesting. So he was very big in the Hudson's Bay Company, which is kind of how he got his start here in Canada. And then he um, became the president of the Bank of Montreal. He co-founded Canadian Pacific Railway, and he was elected into the Legislative Assembly of Manitoba. After he's done that, he represented Montreal in the House of Commons. So just like all over the place. And after he died, he actually donated millions of dollars to charity. I think it was $7.5 million to Canadian charities and £1 million to English charities. And one interesting fact I found about him is he... Um, personally raised Lord Strathcona's horse and when I looked it up I thought well okay he had a horse named after him but what that actually was was an army regiment called Lord Strathcona's horse and so it was one of the last regiments to be created and raised by a citizen so it wasn't like a government army like sure it fought for the government but it was this guy's army that he made for his country Yeah, and so like I said, there's lots of buildings and stuff named after him. So then Calgary, there's Strathcona Park. At McGill University, there's a Strathcona building. All around Canada, there's stuff named after him. I don't know if he actually ever came over to Edmonton. I couldn't find anything on that, but they did name Strathcona after him. So now I want to kind of get into how Strathcona kind of merged with Edmonton. So it was an amalgamation because both sides of the river voted. It wasn't as if Edmonton took over, which would be an annexation. It was voted on by citizens from both sides of the river. And actually, originally, uh, the people of Strathcona thought that Strathcona would become like the bigger city because they had the train and it was booming. But they say like the geography of Strathcona, I think it's that they had like the steep bank on their side to the river that it really kind of hindered them a bit. Whereas, you know, like on the other side, there's a little bit of flat area first. And then it kind of goes up the hill, so it's a little bit easier to get access to the water. So at the time of the merger, Strathcona had um, quite a bit more land. So the city of Strathcona was contained within 91st Street to the east and White Mud Creek to the west. So that's quite a bit a big area, but nothing was really developed past the Mill Creek Ravine until after World War II, which is after the amalgamation. And then went, of course, to the river and south to 62nd Ave and 68th Ave with 111th Street kind of connecting those two. So you can kind of imagine that today that that's quite a big area and bigger than what old Strathcona is currently. But at the time of amalgamation, Strathcona had 5,579 people and Edmonton had 24,900 people. So about five times as many people in Edmonton. And then when they voted, the people of Strathcona voted 667 to 96 in favor. 
and the people of Edmonton voted 518 to 178 in favor of amalgamation. For the people of Strathcona, the big benefits that they saw in amalgamating, because it was quite a steep landslide that they would be amalgamated, were the lower taxes offered by a bigger city because there's more people to front the load of whatever needed to be built for, like in terms of infrastructure. There would be an increase in policing because there's more resources available, and transit would become more affordable. So that ends our quick history of the independent Strathcona. We're going to take a quick ad break, and then we'll get into some of the still-standing buildings and stuff from this old Strathcona. This episode of Your Edmonton Podcast is brought to you by Mobile Max RV Service and Repair, a local to Edmonton company that travels around north-central Alberta to meet your service needs. Rather than having to move your trailer or RV, he will come to you, from appliances to plumbing and everything in between. You can call him at 780-904-6433, email service at mobilemaxrv.com, and his website is mobilemaxrv.com. And next time you get your service, mention your Edmonton podcast for 10% off. Again, that's Mobile Max RV Service and Repair. Welcome back. So in the second half of our show here, we're going to go through some of the still standing buildings from Strathcona. So I got a lot of these from a historic walking and driving tour that you can find online by typing in Strathcona Buildings Walking and Driving Tour. And another thing you could do like next time you're walking down White Ave is just kind of looking up near the tops of the building. So they'll often have like, for instance, the year it was built or the name of the building. So like Douglas Block or even who built it or the um, architectural firm who designed it will be just kind of etched into the building. And so that's kind of something interesting that you can kind of get a little bit of the history that's still like permanently on the building. And also a lot of the properties in the Strathcona are named with a person's name and then blocks like Gainer Block. And that kind of extends around Edmonton. And, and the word block in this case means a larger building which has been divided up into kind of separate areas. So you'll notice like along White Ave, there's one building with multiple shops that you can go into. And they're all separate. Like, there's not connected on the inside. But that would be a block. So you can now go down and you can see which buildings were blocks and which ones are not. So to start off, we'll start with the Strathcona Public Library, which is still on 8331-104th Street, which was built in 1913, but the plans for it were developed in 1907. And it's still a library today. And it looks, of course, it's, I think, the nicest-looking library even though like a lot of the libraries are very nice looking. And you can still go in there, but it's quite an old building, and it was originally a library as well. A little bit north of there, there's the Knox Evangelical Free Church, built in 1907. Before this building was built, there were services in the Strathcona Hotel from 1891 to 1892. And then a wood church was built on that site in 1892, and they actually had to redo the whole thing, make it bigger, because there was... So much demand, people, there wasn't enough room. And so that original wood frame church was actually moved to 104-5386 Ave and converted into a duplex. And so I haven't been over there, but I looked on Google Earth and Street View, and it looks like that still might be there, right across from a railway museum, which we'll get into in a bit. So the church, and it still stands today, this brick church, seats 600 people. And so you can see how, like, in 1907, to have that many people demanding to go to church is quite something. The next building we'll get into is the Connaught Armory. 
So that's at 10310 85th Ave, and it was built in 1911. So it's named after the Duke of Connaught, which was Canada's Governor General from 1911 to 1916. And it had a drill hall, a rifle range, and some offices for the regiment, which were the 19th Alberta Dragoons, one of Alberta's oldest mountain regiments. They were disbanded in 1964, and they actually, in World War II, fought at Vimy Ridge. But it wasn't just like an army building. It actually contained a lot of the social life for the area. So while the Anglican church of the area was being built, it was the church, and there was an annual ball hosted by the regiment. If you are walking by there, you'll actually be able to see on top of the building, it still says how it's an armory on top. And I don't know if it's still in use or if it's just now the kind of a, a lot of these buildings are historic sites. So they're not being teared down, but it looks like this one isn't in use, but you can still walk by it and see. Now, if you keep going along the tour, you're going to pass by a bunch of residences that were built by local businessmen in the area. And a lot of these are um, interesting builds and they're still standing today and you can see how different the houses look so there's the Mackenzie residence the Hugh Duncan residence and then you'll come across the um, Calgary and Edmonton railway station which now is at 10447 86th Ave but it was initially just north of the CPR station which is still there today and it had offices, waiting rooms, living quarters, and it's actually quite a novel building for the time, especially for a railway station. And you can tell it's because, it, sure, it looks a little bit plain, but the roof construction, the fact that it had multiple tiers of roofs and different types of roofs on the same building was just very non-typical for the age. And so when the new railway station was built by CPR, this one was moved to 87th Ave and then was converted to a house. And then in 1978, it was moved to the current location, and it deteriorated um, very poorly until the restoration was no longer possible. And so it was demolished in 1980, but then was kind of rebuilt as a replica by the Junior League of Edmonton and serves as their headquarters today, and is now um, a museum. That's the one I talked about that's across from the old church. And so they're, I think they're right across the road from each other. You can definitely see that this one... It has some railway aspects to it, and you can, it says museum on the outside and has a little plaque. So now we'll head down to White Ave, and the first building that we'll talk about is the Strathcona Public Building, which is on 105th Street. So this one right now contains Chianti, a Billiard Club, and Squires. But if you're looking at it from distance, it's the one with the big clock tower. And so it was actually a big post office structure and built very typical for post offices. And it was designated as a provincial historic resource in 1985. Oh, and I think I forgot to mention, but this one was built in 1913. Now, as I said before, there's lots of blocks along White Ave. So there's the Douglas block, the Richards block, the Tipton and Hulberts blocks, the Gaynor block. So all these are just along White Ave, and you can see how they're buildings um, with multiple businesses inside. And, and so a lot of them are now still just shops and stuff. So, for instance, um, there's the Famoso, which is like the wood building along White Ave. And that's one of the best preserved wood buildings of the time. And so that one actually is the originally the Chapman Brothers Limited Salary Company. But when the car also made its big emergence onto the scene, they diversified into Western wear as well, and so that's what kept them going. But they were very good at keeping their building in pristine condition. That's why still today, the Famoso is a wonderful wood building. Another one that a lot of people will know is the Princess Theater. So just a little bit further down White Ave. And it was built in 1914, and at the time it claimed to have the largest stage in Western Canada. But it wasn't just a theater. It also had a billiards room in the basement, 
some offices and meeting rooms on top of the theater. And it's actually the only theater in South Edmonton until 1940. And that's when the Varscone and Garneau theaters opened. And then we kind of get into the hotel area. So there was three main hotels along White Ave back in the day. And so there was the commercial hotel, which doesn't really have a date of construction and has had lots of facelifts since it's first being built. Then there's the Dominion Hotel, which is very ornate. And you can still see it today. And it looks like very fancy compared to lots of the other buildings. And the last one is the Strathcona Hotel, which is the oldest wood frame commercial structure on White Ave. And it was built very specifically for the railway to get people who came on the rail to stay there. All of the hotels, though, were hurt quite a bit by the prohibition in 1916 and a lot of them had a hard time recovering after that and the last building we're going to go through is the cp railway station and so that's the one that still stands today just south of mkt there and so it was built after strathcona was given city status and it's actually one of the few left of its kind in alberta of that kind of railway style because a lot were built in the same styles by the company so like cp rail had their railway station design but this is one of the last ones that still stands. So if you're interested in finding out more about these old buildings, you can definitely take the walking tour, because I know we only did a couple of buildings, but there's actually 24 stops on the walking tour, and there's places like going to the old telephone exchange. There's some halls, like the old fire that we didn't go over in this episode. But again, that's through the old Strathcona walking and driving tour that you can just Google online. So before we wrap up our show, I have a local spot for our listeners, and that is the In Focus Photography Exhibition. And so I just found out about this because they actually contacted me and asked if I wanted to go down and see it. And being an amateur photographer, I was very interested. So I went down on their opening evening, which was February 5th. And so they had lots of people there and you could interact with the photographers. And so it's actually out at the Renaissance Hotel, which is attached to the airport. So the thinking for where it's placed is that people, as they walk through to go to the airport from the hotel or from the airport to the hotel, will walk by this gallery of Edmonton and Canadian artists' photography. And so it's curated by a lady named Alexis Marie Chute. And her and her husband, Aaron, were there. And they're both very nice people. And so I'm sure if you had any questions... You could email them or go to infocusphoto.ca. But the exhibit itself runs through March. But I really recommend going the opening day. They've done this now for six years. So next year going for their big opening reception could be very interesting. Especially if you're an amateur photographer in Edmonton, you can talk to professional photographers, other people, and look at their work. And I know I talked to a guy and he kind of explained what he does and why he did things and I find that very interesting for myself. And then they also have a portfolio review session. And so I went down and did that, and I found that very helpful for myself because they had four reviewers there and a kind of a speed dating style. So you went 10 minutes with each reviewer, showed them your work, and they would offer any advice that they had. And I think that's really going to help me because I'd never done a portfolio review, and they were all very helpful and very nice. So for me, it was quite a worthwhile experience. And I think for anyone who might appreciate local artists or any kind of amateur photographer in Edmonton uh, might appreciate these kind of events as well. So if you want to get in touch with the podcast, um, we have our own website, www.youredmontonpodcast.buzzsprout.com. And so you can go there to find out all the episodes we've done, all of the show notes for these episodes, which have clickable links. You can listen to all the episodes right from there. 
And we're also on social media. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can find out there what we're doing, have some information about who's coming on. And you can also email us at youredmontonpodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for shows, anything going on in the city that you think would be worth noting. So until next time, this is Your Edmonton. <laughs>